Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC or on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. Today, we're coming to you live from MGMA Annual Conference 2019 in New Orleans and speaking with Melody Malik, MSHS, President of Revenue Cycle Coding Strategies, a dynamic company that works with physician practices, healthcare systems, billing companies, and other industry stakeholders to provide auditing, education, and other collaborative consulting solutions to meet their coding com and compliance needs about appropriate use, criteria consultation requirements, 2021 and beyond. First Healthcare Compliance is a proud partner of Revenue Cycle Coding Strategies and our clients have enjoyed many webinars and previous podcasts by this team of experts. Melody and I will be discussing the Appropriate Use Criteria or AUC, a congressional mandate that will go into effect with a testing period of January 1st, 2020. The requirements for ordering and performing providers varies, so it is important to understand how it impacts all specialties and types of entities. We will work to understand AUC regulatory requirements, review expectations for ordering providers, and evaluate what is necessary for performing providers. So hello, Melody. It's great to see you here in person on First Talk Compliance here in New Orleans. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, I appreciate the opportunity. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity as well. So can you tell me exactly what is AUC? Can you explain this a little bit more? Absolutely. So AUC is appropriate use criteria, and this was something that was regulated or rather mandated by CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, in the Protecting Access to Medicare Act, also known as PAMA. So in the regulations, which was actually released several years ago, there was a requirement put into place that providers that ordered higher imaging exams, MRs, CTs, nuclear medicine, and specifically PET studies as well, would be required to consult appropriate use criteria when ordering these exams. And so CMS has actually identified what the appropriate use criteria is, um, the entities that can provide it, and so any particular provider ordering those exams must consult this criteria. The, the implementation date has actually been delayed several times. It was supposed to go into effect January 1 of 2017. And since they've delayed it a few times, actually we're gonna be starting a testing period January 1 of 2020 and a mandatory implementation January 1 of 2021. Gosh, so it was supposed to be in 2017, now it's been pushed back several times now to 2021. Yes. Officially, 2021 with a testing period of 2020. Okay, all right. So what does uh, CMS hope to gain by this implementation? So if we go back a few years, there was discussion at one point about having all exams require pre-certification or pre-authorization, and Medicare realized that they really didn't have the resources to do that for everything, and so they implemented this program to require people to go through that process to identify who are the ordering providers, the top 5%, that maybe don't always order the correct exams. And so the intention is to identify those top 5% of ordering providers, and those particular uh, individuals will be put on a 100% review 
for Medicare when they start ordering exams. Now, they're going to have to get a couple of years of data, so we probably won't see that until 2023, 2024 at the earliest, but that's their intention. The other piece of it, though, is patient safety, and they do want to make sure that when exams are ordered for a patient, that it really is the right exam. Okay, now you talked about a testing period um, first, so why is there a testing period? Now, good question. Part of the issue is, so when we talk about how do we indicate that we're, this particular criteria is being followed, the providers, both the rendering providers, meaning the imaging centers, the hospitals, the radiologists, or other physicians who do the interpretation, have to communicate to CMS that these particular actions have occurred, that that ordering provider has actually consulted that criteria with that. So they have to put information on the claims. Uh, for it, the claims, the 1500s, as well as the UBO4s. And while that may be a straight pro straightforward process for maybe, a, say, a small imaging center or a physician office for a hospital system, that's a, not a small task. And so part of the reason that it's been delayed so many times is the system changes that have to occur and, and all of the programming and, and also even for CMS to determine you know how they're actually going to implement it because initially the thought was is there could be a lot of behind the scenes way to capture the information um, and but they've determined that's not really it so again the burden's really on the providers so a lot of system changes requires a lot of time so they're enabling a testing period to give people really the opportunity to work through the kinks of the system and identify all the different exceptions that may exist so that when they go live there really can't be any excuses of we didn't have enough time or we didn't exactly know what we needed to do. Okay, so now how will this impact providers? So ordering providers, so anyone that's ordering an MRI, a CT, nuclear medicine, or PET is supposed to begin looking at this appropriate use criteria. So what that is, is when they go to order an exam, they use a software system where they pull up and it says, okay, I'm going to order the CT of the head. They're putting in signs or symptoms and it's going to say, well, for these particular signs or symptoms, these are the right, this is the right exam for to do that. So yes, the CT is it. Or it may be for other types of symptoms, take an abdominal symptom, it might say, actually, an ultrasound would be a better exam versus a CT or an MR with that. And so the ordering providers are going to have to go through that process when they're ordering those higher modality uh, pieces with it. And so a lot of things are being put in place right now to make that an easier process within their electronic medical record. Um, and so it's an extra step in the ordering process. And needless to say, that's not necessarily a, a step that many want to have to take um, when they're ordering those exams for their patients. Okay, now how about specialties that own their own equipment? How will this impact them? You know, the, the requirement is there, whether it's their equipment or they're sending the patient out to an imaging center or to a hospital outpatient center. So if they're an oncologist and they order a PET scan, um, if they're an orthopedics, um, they're an orthopedic surgeon and they have an MRI in their office, that requirement's going to be in place for them as well. So if I'm an orthopedic surgeon and I've got a patient and I need to evaluate whether or not they've got, you know, a torn rotator cuff, I have to go through appropriate use criteria consultation. You know, again, even though I own the MRI and I've got to do that because I've got to communicate on my claim that that process was followed. Okay. So um, why should ordering providers be interested in participating in this testing period? 
No, good question, because in the testing period, there is the ability for a rendering provider, meaning a radiologist or a provider, to say, hey, we don't know whether or not the ordering provider consulted uh, the criteria. But one of the things that Medicare did uh, when they gave us the guidance for you know, this particular initiative was they actually put this in as a quality measure. So as part of MACRA and MIPS, they put in that consulting appropriate use criteria would go towards a quality score for the ordering providers. So to really entice them and give them credit for the fact that there is a recognition that's an additional step, it's additional time to perform this particular service. So hopefully, you know, if they're participating in MACRA and MIPS, this would be motivation for them to go ahead and do it during the testing period versus just doing it um, at the end. The other piece is, is if they do own equipment, they are going to, again, same guidelines required, so they're going to have to be in that mandatory period come uh, 2021 when reimbursement does get impacted and they want to work out the kinks on that as well. Now how about private payers? Do you think they're going to utilize this government program? You know, it's a really good question, and that's some of the concerns people have because private payers use uh, what we call radiology benefit management firms, RBMs. So whether there's there's a variety of different entities out there that do that, and you know, for the commercial payers, there would be some advantages. So instead of paying an outside company to do that, if they use the same thing that Medicare did, that could save them money. Um, so there is the potential for it. Right now, we have not heard of any private payers that have said they're going to use the CMS system, but I think they're probably going to take a wait-and-see approach, see how things go, uh, see what the issues are, and then make a decision at that point. Okay. Uh, do you have any other um, words of advice on this or, or things for that um, uh, clients should be thinking about or, or um, things that you might have thought of that perhaps we should we should be looking out for? Sure, absolutely. I think one of the things that I found even in talking with people here at the MGMA conference is there's a lot of people that aren't aware of this requirement, um, especially for the, the different specialists themselves because it has been pushed off so much and because we have so many different compliance issues that we're dealing with, a lot of times practices think, well, until I know for sure that it's really going to go into effect, I don't want to think about it until then. We know it's going to go into effect. We have the date, so it really is important that all practices uh, that order exams, that have equipment, get up to speed as quickly as possible on the regulatory requirements so that they can ensure they're in compliance. Great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for uh, coming on to First Talk Compliance today and uh, speaking to our um, online listeners and then also our in-person listeners. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. So thank you so much to our guest today, Melody Malik, MSHS, President of Revenue Cycle Coding Strategies, with whom First Healthcare Compliance is a proud partner. And with our clients who've enjoyed many webinars and previous podcasts. And we are coming to you live from MGMA Annual Conference 2019 in New Orleans. And speaking with Renee Comeri. CMPE Practice Manager at Manchester OBGYN Associates in New Hampshire, who has been a client with First Healthcare Compliance for over three years, about challenges and opportunities at Manchester OBGYN Associates. Renee and I will be discussing her role as Practice Manager, a typical day, and how she manages to keep it all together and organized and managing her compliance. Hello, and it's great to see you here on First Talk Compliance here in New Orleans.
Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to talk uh, about myself and the business that we have in Manchester, New Hampshire. Well, thank you so much for being here. So can you tell me about how did you get into the field and did you always plan to go into healthcare and healthcare administration or tell me a little bit, a bit about yourself and, and how you got into this? I never expected to go into healthcare. My goal was to be an accountant, um, but back 20 plus years ago, somebody asked me, would I be interested in doing some bookkeeping and accounting at an OBGYN office? I thought, why not? You know, I'll try it out. And um, I've never left. It is a never, ending, never changing um, field, and the challenges are never ending, and the excitement is always there. So I've never looked back. Wonderful. Well, can you tell me about your role and a typical day at Manchester OBGYN Associates? what it's like there? Sure, my role there is basically to oversee the day-to-day -day operations in our office. Typical day is non-existent, really. You walk into the office and you never know what type of situation you're gonna run into. We are a privately owned OBGYN office in Manchester, New Hampshire, and we don't have all the necessarily departments to pull from. We don't have a legal department. We don't have an HR department, an IT department. So we really rely on outsourcing a lot or finding ways and tools to help us make sure that we're meeting everything that we need to in a day. And so the problems and the issues that we may have, I never know when I walk in that morning because something I could plan on having a regular day and you know, someone could report an incident and now uh, my whole day is turned upside down because now I have to follow through with that. Well, could you tell me a little bit more about your practice or about your history, things such as that? We are actually just celebrated our 100 year anniversary. Our office opened back in 1919. We have really come a long way since then. We are very lucky to have generations of patients that have come to our office. It's great to hear the feedback of, oh, my mother delivered me here, or, you know. So it's been really enlightening uh, working at a place like that that has such good longevity with people and really cares about our patients and doing the right thing by them and the office. So I really enjoy working for uh, Manchester OBGYN. We have a lot of employees that have been with us over 30 years and it's amazing when you hear patients coming in and saying, oh my god, you still work here. We're very lucky to have such a great patient population as well as employees. Wow, a hundred years. That's amazing. That's that's great. It's really nice to have that continuity. That's an amazing, that's a, a great, a great achievement. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. We're very proud of it. You should be. That's that's really wonderful. And so you are you're independent. Can you tell me more about that? You're not affiliated with another with a hospital or a healthcare a healthcare system? We are a office that is independent. We have six physicians and five nurse practitioners. We have ultrasound technicians right on hand as well as an RN. But we really enjoy being able to make our own decisions and having places to help us get through those difficult choices that we have to make throughout the day. But being independent is very important to us. I can imagine. Uh, can you tell me what do you enjoy most about your role? 
I enjoy having so many challenges every day as well as I don't enjoy having so many challenges every day. It's, it's an exciting position because you see the changes that occur and the technology that can happens throughout the office, but actually you see how it reflects to the patients and how they grow and they're changing. I really, I just enjoy the always changing environment that we live in in the OBGYN office. I can imagine, I mean, isn't it, it's sometimes hard, I'm sure. I know I always feel that I'm learning, you know, new software constantly or new things and, and things like that. Do you ever, do you ever feel that way in your role? Yes, it, always. There's always software that's out there to be learned, always new compliance that's out there to be learned, always new regulations, governance, and so many other things that you wouldn't think take place in an OBGYN office. All the stuff that happens behind the scenes, as I say, that people don't realize that we have to be on top of, you know, to make sure that we have a safe and appropriate office for not only the patients, but our employees. Can you tell me about some of the you were talking about some of the things that you enjoy and that included a few of the challenges, but what are, what are some of the specific challenges perhaps that you all face? One of, uh, some of the challenges we face are making sure that we meet all the regulations and do all the things that are required to do so. So one of the reasons we actually have First Healthcare Compliance ourselves is because we're able to push out videos to our employees so they're trained on HIPAA regulations, they're trained on OSHA, they're able to um, be aware of all that and we don't have to go around and do anything every week or something we're able to push these videos out to them and then we can do just once a year recoup and and get everybody together so it makes us feel like our employees are aware of what's going on and what they need to do as well we some of the other challenges we have are you know for compliance issues is making sure that we're doing the risk analysis appropriately and that we're we're making sure that we're we're safe and those are things that we have to reach out for and find tools and ways to make those things affordable and able to complete in our day. Can you elaborate on some of the different compliance issues or personnel, HR or, or OSHA or maybe even in, in hiring perhaps? I know some of the things seem seem different these days and I don't know if you could elaborate on some of those things or benefits. Um, one of the challenges that I know we're facing right now is actually in hiring. There is a different outlook on people who are hiring these days, how they they don't seem to be interested in longevity. They want to be paid high dollars for today and they really don't care about benefits in the fact of like we offer a profit sharing plan with a 401k and we have a lot of patient or a lot of employees who've been with us over 10 years who really enjoy that but when I'm trying to hire people today they they I don't care I'm not planning on staying very long you know they their plan their thought process is I'm going to come here get the experience I want to get paid good dollars and then I'm going to go somewhere else and take that experience and get paid more so we're having difficulty hiring people as our our older people are now retiring and that has been a challenge that I didn't really think that I was going to be facing because I always thought people were looking for the longevity but that's not necessarily the case we have different people with different expectations so we have to we're going to have to find ways to change with the expectations that are coming out from the people who are looking for positions nowadays is there anything unique to your practice, such as malpractice or insurance type of issues that is unique to um, specifically like an OBGYN type of facility? 
OBGYN has one of the highest male practice insurance and that poses a lot of issues because it adds to our overhead and overhead these days is just increasing and increasing and when you're trying to stay independent that is something we are constantly looking at and how to balance everything to make sure that we're still profitable still giving good care but able to able to stay in business and that is difficult when you're trying to be an independent practice. Well, um, first, healthcare compliance is grateful for the opportunity to um, serve you as, as a provider for your compliance, and so, and to work with you uh, and your team. So, how did you hear about us in the first place? And anything that you'd like to add about our compliance management solution, or think about that. I actually learned about First Healthcare Compliance a little over maybe three, four years ago at an MGMA conference. The the help that it's given me and what it it allows me to do, it takes a, a lot of burden. There's several things, as I talked about. They have the videos that we're able to have our employees view for HIPAA and OSHA. They do a questionnaire that makes sure that you're right on track where you're supposed to be for certain regulations. But the other things that they offer uh, that we utilize a lot is managing licensing and any type of uh, TB or medical types of things that we're supposed to be following up on, flu shots, we want to make sure the doctors are, are getting those. So it allows you to also do that as well. It also has means that you can check for status with vendors, make sure that they're um, in compliance and, and there's no issues with them. So there's a lot of features to them and I've just learned that there are actually some new features that I will be inquiring about as well. So it has been great. Uh, I'm wondering, do you, are you aware that we have the um, document storage? Um, have you, are you all using that as well? Um, we, have, we have a place where you can upload some documents. All right, do you use that as well? Actually, I don't. I just came aware that you guys have that. So that is something that I probably will be looking into because um, as everything we, everyone knows, we don't want to have paper stored in our offices anymore. We're trying to reduce that as much as possible um, in this electronic world. So having that ability being stored would be nice and I will be definitely looking into that. Great. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to, to add or any other things about your, your practice or facility that you wanted to add or any other words of advice? It's a challenging world out there when it comes to private OBGYN. I think most people who are in that type of field will agree with me. But we are definitely an office that gets to know our patients. We are very proud. Celebrating the 100 years has just been a milestone that we are very proud to celebrate. Our patients um, come back, enjoy and talking and meeting with our, our physicians and nurse practitioners in the office. They really enjoy to get to know our providers. So it's, it, I really am proud to work at Manchester OBGYN and I'm very thankful. Well, thank you and we are so proud to have you as our client and thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Catherine. It was very nice meeting with you today. Thank you, and thank you to our live and on-air audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. My guest today was Rude Komeri, CMPE Practice Manager at Manchester OBGYN Associates in New Hampshire, who has been a client with First Healthcare Compliance for over three years, and we're coming to you live from the MGMA Annual Conference 2019 in New Orleans. You can learn more about the show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at firsthcc.com or 
hashtag First Talk Compliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at firsthcc.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.